0: Friday I was talking about the legislation uh, that was introduced um, as far as long term care, the changes to the Long Term Care Act that the province introduced. And I was mentioning that maybe it'd be a better idea, or at least one of the ideas that we should be investigating is allowing people to age at home and to be cared for at home. And then I see this article over the weekend. Uh, where the CEO of Home Care Ontario, which represents home care providers in the province, said several hundreds of thousands of seniors in Ontario are left without necessary home care because nurses are leaving in droves. According to the Director of Health Policy Research at the National Institute on Aging, it costs more than $700 a day to treat a patient in hospital versus $200 a day for someone in long-term care and $103 in home care. Sue Vanderbilt is the CEO of Home Care Ontario, which represents home care providers in the province. She's now saying we have a crisis in home care. Here to uh, punctuate and talk about why we have this crisis, Dr. Samir Sinha, Director of Health Policy Research at the National Institute on Aging. Welcome to the show, Dr. Sinha.
1: Hey, good morning, Kelly.
0: I, uh... I love the idea of allowing people to stay at home as long as they can. I like the idea of people going into their home and caring for them, uh, in their own space. I think it is extremely humane and, and the way to go. It'll, you know, it'll deal with the wait lists that are only going to continue to grow in long-term care. Um, but we've got a serious crisis. Um, what, what led to this crisis? Has it just been waiting to happen or did the pandemic push, you know, people out of, uh, home care.
1: Well, really what's happened is that we've grossly underfunded the provision of home and community care for decades. We've had structural issues here where, for example, a nurse or a personal support worker working in our publicly funded home care system gets paid far less than an equivalent person working in a long-term care home who gets paid far less than a person working in a publicly funded hospital. So so we've always had this kind of situation where, where the poorest paid work was always in the home care space, which always made it hard to to not only retain uh, or recruit, but also retain people. And then and then really this pandemic kind of blew the lid wide open because all of a sudden for, uh, all, you know, as we started opening COVID assessment centers, we started needing more help in our hospitals and our long-term care settings. Uh, there were new jobs that were popping up that were paying, you know, a premium that just told people, you know, that, hey, you know, if you actually go and work in one of these other settings, you're going to get paid a far lot more. And in a setting where you're more likely to have access to PPE and other supports and services. So mm-hmm. so this is really what took our home care system that was kind of operating on the brink to basically being in a, in, a, in a disastrous situation right now. Because as you said, right, when nobody that I know aspires to end up in a long-term care home, people want to stay in their own homes for as long as possible. We have often, we have about 15% of of people waiting in our hospitals right now to go home, um, mm-hmm. you know, because they're waiting for home care, which just isn't there. And yeah. that's where that $700 a day cost is just for someone to sit around in a hospital waiting to go home for home care versus only $100 a day to provide someone intensive home care. Uh, so you know, the dollars and cents make sense. The problem is that we haven't given the home care system the support it needs so that it can be a strong part of our health care system.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. When you brought up the wage disparity, it's funny, you would think it would kind of be the opposite because the infrastructure and support decreases as you take care of someone in their home. So you would think that that person would get paid more because they have more hurdles to jump through fewer
1: supports. This is exactly it, because if you actually look in England, for example, where they have what they call a district nursing model, you can't work as a community district nurse, for example, unless you've already come with years of experience from working in a hospital, Um, because it's considered actually... I, w- I don't want to say a superior role, but a much more experienced role because you need to be, you're on your own in a person's home. You need to think on your feet. You don't have all these gadgets and gizmos around you or other people you can rely on. So it's really respected as as those folks working in people's homes are often on their own. They're actually providing really skilled and important care um, and doing it alone. And so this is why you know, it's it's just ironic that for this incredibly hard work, we're actually telling these people that you deserve less money than you would make if you're working in a long-term care home or if you're working in a hospital. So this simple idea of wage parity is something that's really eluded our home care workers and even those who are working in our long-term care system compared to their colleagues in publicly funded hospitals. And I just think until we get that issue resolved, number one, mm-hmm. um, and until we start actually prioritizing more of our long-term care dollars um, into providing more home and community care, we're going to continue to have over you know, 50,000 people on the wait list in Canada for nursing homes and over 500,000 who currently report having unmet home care needs hence why they end up on a wait list for a, uh, a long-term care home and why 15% of our hospital bed days in Canada are occupied by people who are just waiting to be able to go to their own homes or go to a long-term care home. So we've really created our own dysfunction um, in the system, which this pandemic has just made even worse.
0: Yeah, you know, just to punctuate that, uh, I was reading here that uh, one of the stats is that the uh, 95% referral acceptance rate was what we were looking at for home care before the pandemic, meaning if you asked, well, you requested home care, 95% of the time you could get it. Uh, the current rate is 60%, and a lot of uh, the nurses left to help out with the vaccine effort. Can you talk about that?
1: Yeah, and and the idea is right now, you know, if you apply for government-funded home care, you're assessed and you're approved, and people say, yep, let's uh, let's put that referral out. And often, you know, in Ontario, for example, we have a bunch of different providers um, who say, yes, you know, I, I I'm authorized by the government to provide care. But right now, whereas 95% of those government referrals would get picked up by a home care provider, right now only 60% are because they're just simply saying we would, you know, great that the government's giving us more money to provide home care right now during the pandemic, but we just don't have the workers to do this because they've all gone um, to work in in much higher paid roles, uh, working, you know, in vaccine clinics, working in hospitals, working in long-term care settings. There's only so many healthcare workers to go around. And when you actually pay people significantly different wage rates, it's, it's, it, you don't have to be a rocket science to realize that folks who, weren't, who were only making maybe $16 an hour, when you can go somewhere else and make double your pay, you'd be an idiot not to do that.
0: Yeah, and you know, what you... <laughs> What you said there really reminds me of something that we were both talking about at the very beginning of the of the pandemic, it might have even been earlier in the pandemic, is that um, when it comes to long term care, when it comes to home care, when it comes to dealing with people that are, you know, in their later years in life, and possibly, you know, closer to their final years in life, it seems that we as a society have to accept responsibility. We just don't, we just, don't, it's, it's, it's like, it reminds us. That we're getting older and it's a really, we have to admit that we're part of the problem because otherwise we'd be banging the drum here.
1: Absolutely. And, and the key is, right, I think we always like to think this is somebody else's problem or this is somebody else's issue. But right now we have over 800,000 can, uh, well, Canadians in Ontario alone who are dependent on government funded or, or, or privately funded home care. So this is not a small segment. Mm-hmm. Probably all of us have a relative, a parent, you know, a family member, a friend you know, who actually is relying on some sort of home care so they can stay in their own homes right now. So this is not an abstract concept. And, you know, people have to realize that within 10 years, one in four of us will be an older person. More of us will actually need to be relying on government funded home care or even private home care supports. And if there's no one around there to care for us as we get older, for example, we're screwed. Literally, we're screwed.
0: I like how you're touching on that selfish. You're hitting the selfish button hard. What about if it's you? Uh, 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 uh. But crazily enough, it, it motivates people to do something. It's like if we can see ourselves in that situation. Situation. Oh, wait a minute! Let's get on this. So, hopefully, uh, you know, if if it if selfishness is going to lead to a change here, I say uh, let's get on it. Dr. Samir Sinha, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thanks for having me, Kelly.
0: I appreciate it.